0: Download the Sportdeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news, and betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to Sportdeck.com. There's a big derby in town, not the North London, not the old firm not merseyside nor manchester it's the sam allardyce derby you're listening to the sport deck insight i'm dave o'grady gareth morgan joins me as ever gareth What a week of FA Cup action. I bow down to the FA Cup. I am converted. Please, when is it happening again?
1: Oh, this is what I want to hear, Dave. I don't want to hear that you're a passenger on the FA Cup Fun
0: Bus. I want to hear that you're driving the FA Cup Fun Bus. I'm driving it. In fact, I'm the driver, the conductor and the passenger on the Fun Bus. Book me a ticket. Don't need to. I've already got them. (laughs) Leeds United, Sutton. Wow.
1: Yeah, and the, the biggest wow of all was just how outplayed leads were. That was a comfortable upset. If a Cup upset can ever be comfortable, that was it. Sutton, very very worthy winners and rewarded with a home tie against Arsenal.
0: And I hope that home tie against Arsenal does go ahead in Sutton. I was listening to their chairman I think on one of the radio stations saying that yes, they have the infrastructures in place to host that final or that FA Cup tie and what a great tie it would be. Fantastic. I know there have been in the past,
1: clubs have switched uh, you know, to an away ground and I desperately hope for the for the Cup itself itself that it is played uh, at uh, what is it Gander, Gander Goose Lane Goose wow. Gander
0: Lane Goose- the goose and gander. I'd Something say there's a couple of lines.
1: couple of good pubs named after that
0: ground. Or I imagine area. so. I imagine so. What a day! What a day that should be. The beer is always that extra bit sweeter. I see uh, when I watch football, focus on the morning of an FA Cup match or an FA Cup weekend. I should say they're always in the bar of one of the one of the clubs, and it just looks like they're having a great time. I am always thinking to myself, how do they get up so early to come in and do that? But the reality is, Gareth. It's what they live for.
1: Absolutely. That, Dave, is... Proper football.
0: Fantastic stuff. Well, coming up on the show, we're gonna be talking to the former Sunderland and Ireland striker. He's currently preparing for the League of Ireland season with Drogheda United. It's Sportdex Stephen Elliott. We're gonna be talking about the Sam Allardyce Derby. Crystal Palace taking on Sunderland. A lot to discuss with that one. We'll also be talking to BT sport panelist and creator of the gentlemanultra.com, Richard Hall. He's gonna be looking at Juventus against Inter. An Inter side that, oh, we wrote them off on the show. A couple of months ago but boom they're back will they challenge for the scudetto or will they push their way up the city at table who knows we'll find out later remember if you'd like to download the sport deck podcast we've got the best live score stats the latest news and betting all in one app simply go to sportdeck.com we're available on the app store And you can download us for Android as well. Let's kick things off. And it is the big one in the Premier League. It's not quite Chelsea-Arsenal as we were talking about earlier. But we've got a a fantastic derby. It's the Sam Allardyce derby as Crystal Palace take on Sunderland. I really can't wait. We're delighted to be joined by the former Sunderland and Ireland striker. Now of Drogheda United and of Sportdex. Stephen Elliott, thanks for joining us on the line. You were in the office quite earlier. I'm surprised we're having you on the phone now. Because I've only just seen you about an hour ago. But... uh, We're always connected, it's probably fair to say. This big game this weekend, Stephen, Palace against Sunderland, I guess Sam Allardyce coming in there at Palace and he had that big win uh, during the week. A win, I think it was his first win in six games uh, for for Christos Palace, his first victory really for them. How do you think he's set up now at at Palace? And I know you've been quite complimentary about him and you think Palace have a real chance of survival.
2: Yeah, he's he's gone in there at Palace, obviously, to do one thing, and that's to to provide safety in the Premier League this year. Like He's known over the years, anywhere he's gone in, he's never been relegated. So if there's a man for for that job, you, you usually turn to Sam Allardyce, as Sunderland did last season.
0: I always wonder: Is it risky at that stage of decision replacing a manager? I know Pardew, It was a bit of a roller coaster to say the least, Stephen, with Pardew at Palace. Do you think they made the right decision bringing Sam in? And you know, from your experience in football and seeing what he has done with teams, what do you think he will give to Palace that they didn't have under their under Parju?
2: I think he'll give he'll give the squad of the players there. He'll make them believe in themselves. He, he'll uh, he'll build great camaraderie around the squad and. He, he obviously he's introduced a couple of new players. He, he brought in yesterday. I think Sacco will be a good player for them. Obviously, mm. he fell out of favour at Liverpool now, and he, he's seeing kind of a position to get him in there into the defence at Palace. And I think he'll be a big player for them going on towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah, looking at Sunderland a, a very different situation David Moyes has had to act he's had to bring in use his connections we'll say I know he's brought in the likes of uh, Jolien Lescott who I don't know what age he is at this stage Darren Gibson Brian Oviedo I mean are those the players to catapult you out of the drop zone do you think?
2: Well, listen time will tell but I, th- I think the, his hands are tied behind his back a little bit obviously he sold Van now to um to Crystal Palace yeah. and he's obviously got a little bit of funds there but like, like I wrote a piece there uh, earlier on in the week about how I think he'll find it hard to entice players to come and play for Sunderland and obviously they're not in a great position in the league and obviously for me the way David Moyes has kind of made noises all season is he's, he's not full of confidence about their, their chances of staying up so he's obviously had to use his contacts and he's, he's kind of raided... The players that he would have known from his time at Everton and listen, he he knows um, them players probably better than anybody and if if he can get a reaction out of them the way he did at Everton then Sunderland might have half a chance of staying up
1: yeah, Steve. No, I guess Sunderland fans might be a little bit underwhelmed, or some of them might be a little bit underwhelmed by the signings that we've just mentioned there. But I guess one of the the real positives for Sunderland out of this transfer window was that at least Jermaine Defoe yeah, stayed on board. Positive, I yeah. mean, how important is that in terms of them having any chance of staying up? Do you feel?
2: Ah, uh, listen. If Jermaine, if, if Jermaine had a had a gone, I, I think you might as well. The right may as well have been on the wall. He's been. Been so important to Sunland over the last, well, the, towards the end, the second half of last season and even this season. His goals, he, no matter what age he I think he's 34 now, he, he still he still guarantees your goals. And this, I'm sure he'll continue to score goals from now to the end of the season. And keeping him there was a massive coup for, for David Moyers. And I think that the, the important thing for Sunland now is to try and build from the back. They need to stop conceding goals and hopefully. Create enough chances for the likes of Jermaine Defoe, Barini, Giannis to score the goals. And listen, it was a good start for them on Tuesday, getting a a nil-all draw against Spurs. And hopefully that can kickstart the season
0: again. Interesting one about Jermaine Defoe. Because I always wonder, you know, he made that big move to Toronto. And it didn't really happen for him in Canada. And he was quickly brought back. And, you know, what is it that makes a player like that want to go to America when clearly his ability hasn't gone away he's still scoring those goals and the fact that you know he's the old Jermaine Defoe I think it's probably fair to say
2: Yeah I think he went to obviously. in my opinion he went away to the to MLS a little bit too soon I still think he had bags bags of ability and loads to offer in the Premier League and I think Sunderland have done really well to get him back into the Premier League because a lot of people when they heard the talk about him going back there were a bit set will think and he might want to go back to a London club and that but listen he, he's gone back he's gone to Sunderland and in, a, in, a, in a, over a short period of time he's become a brother well he's become an absolute legend at the club that the fans absolutely adore and the onus will be on him now to keep producing the goals because he could be the difference again between Sunderland being in the championships next year and not
0: it's such a fantastic club Stephen I know you really enjoyed your time uh, at Sunderland with the black cats and uh, I I just sometimes feel for their fans. I know in recent years we've seen the struggles. I know there was Decanio and and I think was it was a Poyet as well and it was really the team of the great escapes and you know it must be tough for fans to be put through that continuous roller coaster every year. I mean what's the feelings like there? Now listen, the fans,
2: the fans know exactly what it is. They're kind of used to this situation at the moment obviously over the last three four four years and, and kind of escaping the drop so I've even heard some supporters say they actually probably prefer to kind of get relegated and then have something to cheer about in the championship if it means going back up and no I think realistically the majority of the fans have love them to stay up there that's where the, everybody wants to be they want to be in the Premier League and a club like Sunderland with the with the, the status of the club the stadium they've got there the the fan base the kind of facility it's 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 got Premier League written all over and if they were to get relegated, it would be it would be a big shame because I think they've got, even the players they have there now, they, I think they, they're good enough to stay in the Premier League and as I said, hopefully now the, the, the lads that have come in can, can help them do that, but it's it's going to be a tough ask because a lot of the teams have started picking up results around them and it's going to make it that bit more difficult. For instance, I think Swansea and um I see Palace there the other night picking up wins when you would have... Probably kind of takes the draw against Spurs takes a little bit of the shine off that. Mm. So it's they're under no illusions there. It's going to be tough. And listen, all it takes is a win. The, the weekend's game is going to be massive. But like we mentioned there, Sam Allardyce will have Crystal Palace right up for, it and it's it's going to be really tough to get anything down there.
1: As you mentioned, Stephen, obviously that relegation battle is, is getting interesting already. You know, Palace have been sucked into it now, Swansea have picked up since since Paul Clement went in. Are there any other sides just at maybe a little bit further up the table that you've seen signs that they might be, you know, drawn into a relegation battle? There's usually someone, isn't there, who kind of falls yeah, like a stone really? in the last third of I the think, season?
2: Yeah, I think you gotta look at Middlesbrough and even even Leicester, I know the Premier League champions last year, but you're only as good as kind of the form you're in, and the Premier League form they're in at the moment is, is is bordering on relegation form. Like they uh, can't seem to pick up results anywhere. Leicester, and I know he probably got in the back of the mind a big European fixture coming up in in a few weeks, and that. But they need to start picking up results, or, or they'll soon find themselves right right amongst it again. And I think Middlesbrough's manager, I heard him do a few press conferences recently, and he doesn't seem happy. He, he says he found it really hard to attract players. To the club and that, so there's a couple there that could get well sucked into it, and it, it kind of makes it a bit more exciting for the neutral, I suppose. The more teams that are involved,
0: incredible stuff, Stephen. Just before we let you go, if we can get a prediction, Crystal Palace taking on Sunderland. Do you think uh, Big Sam is going to do an over on on the Black Cats? Uh,
2: I'm trying to. Obviously, you, you got probably with me heart in my head there. I'm going to go for a little two one victory to Sunland. Although wow. like I said, it, it could be it could be me heart real me head, but I don't know. I think may, just maybe everybody expects Palace to kinda after getting the result midweek, Sam Allardyce will probably know the Sunland team. But I don't know, you're hoping David Moyes finds some inspiration from somewhere and finds his whole bit of kind of knacker picking up a result and for that reason I'm gonna gonna say Sunland.
0: Lovely stuff. Stephen Elliott, thanks a million for joining us.
2: No problem. Cheers.
0: Yeah, great stuff there, Gareth. And it's interesting. We're talking about Weir side and the Tyne Weir Derby as well. As is, is one that we would miss if uh, Sunderland did get relegated and Newcastle came back up, which they look to be doing. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. I was looking at Stephen Elliott's uh, fantastic goal against Newcastle there not so long ago on YouTube, and with his left foot, his weak foot, sensational goal,
1: absolutely sensational. And then it looks as if he's looking for the away fans to go and celebrate with and he's not quite sure where they are because he sort of runs in one direction then runs off in another direction and then I think he just settles for a kind of group hug rather than... uh going down on his knees in front of the away fans or anything like that but uh, yeah what a strike
0: Yes there's not enough good derbies I don't think uh, out there you know we Liverpool Everton was always hyped up and never kind of got the juice gone as as some of the others want, uh, some of the others have
1: Yeah I think what you want is a, is a derby that hasn't been played for a few years you know when teams avoid each other by being in, in different divisions and then you know it might be five or six years and then it just builds that anticipation up I think when they play each other twice every year year after mm. year it kind of dilutes it uh, a little bit what you need to do as we discussed before you need to get down into the football league for your, for your derbies
0: MK Don's AFC Wimbledon
1: yep nasty
0: you know that was yep. juicy yep
1: um, the Bristol derby hasn't been played for for a few years and that's uh yeah that is uh, that's a very very tasty one. Mm. Uh, they just had an interesting transfer there. Bristol Rovers just uh selling their top scorer Matty Taylor to to Bristol City and I think it's the first time is since the, first the, time? the late 80s
0: wow. that a player has gone directly from Rovers to City. So Is that more would that cause more of a stir that stir than say something like Villa Birmingham or well, certainly locally, it would yeah. be, you know, with the people would be feeling every bit as
1: passionate as, uh, you know, as a Manchester United fan would be if a player went to City. You know, they, they
0: keenly felt, uh, just like South Wales Derby being another one. Yeah, and just to squeeze in a little Scottish football, because we never cover it on the show, I do apologise, uh, our Scottish fans, but Dundee against Dundee United. I always wondered, was there a rivalry there or somebody told me that a lot of fans actually just support both clubs.
1: I think there's been an element of that. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be an expert on that uh, at all. I, I'm not sure. Do they share a ground now? Ooh, that's a good question. Because as I remember, their grounds literally used to be almost on like opposite sides of the road when it right. was Tanner and Dens Park, I think it was, wow. wasn't it, with the two grounds. But uh, I'd have to
0: check to see if they've now, if they now share share a ground. Interesting stuff. Well, with that, we're going to Italy because it's been an absolutely fascinating season in the city so far. We're all set for more drama to unfold when leaders Juventus welcome a red-hot interside to the J Stadium on Saturday night. And who better to turn to for an insight into the so-called Derby d'Italia than Italian football expert BT Sport panellist and creator of the GentlemanUltra.com, Richard Hall. Richard, thanks a million for joining us. If we could start with Inter the last time you were on the show they appeared to be a club in crisis but they've now won their last eight games on the bounce and have climbed to fort what's behind this dramatic turnaround?
3: It's hard not to say anything other than Pioli I mean he's, he's had a magnificent effect on the squad um, I mean when he came in he's, there's a couple of things he's, he's noticed straight away One, just the character of the team because we've, even when we were talking last time about um, the squad itself. It's, it's immensely talented. And when you look at the strength on the bench as well, uh, they actually bought fantastically well. There may be a few uh, square pegs in round holes, but Pioli's looked at that squad and he's realised what he's got to play with there. Uh, his nickname in, in Italy is the normaliser, as if he's he right. got <laughs> clubs in there, sourced <laughs> them out completely. And he's done, he, he's not deviated a million miles from what Mancini did originally uh, by starting at the back and trying to shore that up. Um, the in-game management he seems to have instilled in his team as well that sort of never say die attitude has also been exemplary but I don't think they're quite there as well he wants them to be as well at certain times they're not starting the game well as I said before yeah, the first 5 or 10 minutes are struggling a little bit to get into the game and they're not pressing so there's still work to do um, Mauro Ricardi as well you know, you've still got to get him into the game a little bit more he's changed his role a little bit he's become provider recently as well but they're looking looking in a much more effective outfit in scoring collectively as well. So, yeah, I think that when they have, you know, they still make mistakes, but how they've come back from that recently has been um, been exemplary. So, it's going to be a tough task for you, though.
0: Yeah, quite a challenge. And as we said, Inter they beat Juventus two one back in September, but they haven't won Inter in Turin since two thousand and twelve. What do you think, Richard? They have to do become the fir- to become the first side to down Juve at the J Stadium this season.
3: It's ironic, this, in the sense of, he actually, you know, we, we talked about De Boer and the sort of disaster of Frank De Boer, but the one sparkling moment of sort of genius, if you would, that he had was before the Aventus game. Um, you know, he was struggling to get any sort of team together, um, any strategies together, and so he's still playing around with it, and he sort of stumbled on something that he then reneged on in later games. And Pioli, in my opinion, would go not so far to, um, to, to look at that as a bit of a blueprint. I mean, the ball when he faced UV last time was playing a 4-3-3 that almost retreated into a 4-6-0 at times. Um, And it was quite interesting that Icardi would come back a bit deeper and Benegra would go over and press. Uh, that's something we actually saw happen last night in the in the Copa Italia game when Palacio was up front and Benega was pressing. So there is a similarity there. But De Boer at the time when really he pressed really deep he allowed the two the two wingers, Adair was one instead of Perisic and he really, really pressed hard at the in the first five or ten minutes. Um, and that that's the biggest difference So you need to learn from it, in my opinion, because that early press will really put Juventus on the back foot and as he did it in the last game and it often made the, the back the uh, back three at the time try and play the ball over and across from the midfield. And and that really messed up Juve's gameplay, to be honest. Um, And the fact that the ball had those players keep coming back, uh, especially the wide man, allowed Gary Medell to almost literally anchor just in front of the the back four. And that extra man, again, with uh, the way Juventus were then trying to come up the side of the pitch, it allowed him to shrink the play quite a lot as well. So... The board had a, an excellent an excellent game plan, and when you look at the way Pioli's teams are, that they're very capable, even more so, of doing that, whether he's taking bits on from that um, as maybe a bit of a template. But the the biggest thing is, I think, it's how they start the game. If they start as they did in the Couple of against tele- Lazio last night, they, they could be in a bit of trouble. They've got to start the first five or ten really, really quickly and, and really press Juve, and then hope Juve haven't learned from that experience.
1: Richard, you mentioned there that uh, Mauro Icardi's role in the, in the side has changed slightly since Pioli came in. In terms of his rift with the supporters that uh, we discussed with you a good few weeks ago, has there been any sort of mm. healing there? Are things any better? Or is it, is it still uh, a bit of a standoff between the two? Or sections of the support, should I say?
3: I think, I think it's something that the, the support probably rather wouldn't talk about. You know, I mean, at the end of the day if Inter are winning and Icardi's playing well, which he is, he, you know, and he's still still scoring goals, maybe not as prolifically as uh, he was earlier on in the season, in some respects, but, you know, <laughs> it's one of those issues they'd rather go away. I think if you asked any of the people who stand on a club you know what what their opinion is, they'd close ranks and say it's exactly the same as what it was previously. Um, the The rift has gone in the sense of, sorry, the the, the actual aggravation has gone in the sense that they're not heckling him from the crowd or booing him or anything like that. Uh, but they always said that they'd support the team on the pitch uh, and cheer for them, but deep down, he'll never really be a true captain. And I think that's sort of uh, indicative of most of the Covenuc. But, you know, the rest of the fans, you've got to take very differently because you've got to remember in that game, I think it was against Crotone, when, you know, Icardi was... Um, was booed quite heavily from the Nord. Every time he got the ball the rest of the stadium did applaud him. So it is split into two factions, but I think that, you know, the more uh to continue to do well um, the more they'll have to back him, you know. And I think if he goes in the, uh, down to Juventus with a couple of goals, I think uh, a lot of, a lot can be pushed under the bridge.
1: Okay, just looking at the, the title race at a slightly wider level, Richard, we saw Roma and Napoli stumble rather badly uh, last weekend, mm. allowing Juventus then to move four points clear at the top with, with the game in hand, which I think is against Crotone, if I'm not mistaken. So you'd mm. expect them, yeah. you know, realistically, with all. Respect to Cremona, yeah. you'd expect them to pick up three points from that. But bearing in mind Inter's current form, do you think there's a possibility they could uh, they could surge into the top two in the coming weeks?
3: Well, they're they're, they're obviously out the Europa League. They're now out the Coppa Italia. This is all they've got left. Um, if he can, I think it hinges a lot on this game because all of a sudden you peg Juventus back, and mm-hmm. even though they have got the game in hand, you know this is a bit of a, a chase on. Um, it's possible. I'm um, still. To, I think a lot of people are sort of waiting for them to sort of have a little, a little blip and see how how they result from that. I think they're quite lucky in some respects that it could have come in the Coppa Italia, and that now allows them to go into the Juventus game thinking, actually, no, you know, we we can't be complacent. So it may have come at a good time, uh, but as many Inter fans will probably tell you that you know, once they start losing, in the past, whether it's whatever coach is under, it tends to go on for more than one or two games, but. You know, they also wouldn't have had this run of uh, consecutive wins either. So I, f- I suppose in some respects, they they're a real uh, strong chance for Champions League. But it's probably, I think Juventus um, have been going through this title race almost in third gear. You know, they've had a couple of slip-ups. Uh, but realistically, yeah. you, know, you, you see the way they get back on after their slip-ups. And that's the more professional uh, attitude that Inter to, need to encompass to, to try and challenge them. Um, but you just can't see Juventus dropping that many points between now and of the
0: season. Yeah, Juventus, typical of them to get back up on the horse at the right time. And I think it's remarkable that, Gareth, you were able to ask that question now consider- about Inter, considering what we were talking about mm. a while back on the show. It's its remarkable, it has to be said. Looking, Richard, um, at transfers, and we saw Manolo Gabbiadini uh, join Southampton Ooh. from Napoli for £15 million towards the end of the transfer window. He's 25, six Italy caps, but he was struggling to get into that Napoli side. Can you tell us a little bit about him and whether you think it is a good business move for him and for Southampton?
3: It's an interesting one. It really is because he's got a lot of potential. Um, he's in an unfortunate situation where he's one of those players, in, in some respects, where his biggest fault is that his position doesn't always uh, really exist uh, in, in a lot of clubs. In the sense of, you know, when you look at um, Napoli, I mean, obviously, when Higuain was flanked by the two wide men, and then you've got people like Hamshik and Allen playing a, a bit deeper. They don't really have that number 10 floating around all the time. And when they had tried it, you know, he can work really well in that, in that role. And that Tricotista type of role is is, is like, it's kind of dead now in Italy. So it, you know, it's been very famous and over the decades. And with Gabi Bini, you know, he's not a prolific goal scorer either. So when yeah. Napoli have tried to put him up front and say, you know, can you fill that void um, of Higuain, even though with Milic being out, when they've tried it in the past, it's not really worked out. So, you know, at the moment, when you look at the people like Drews Mertens, who've come in, and Lorenzo Tsenia, Callahan, all these people who've sort of um, helped the collective group, um, and, and they're pretty much taking it on themselves. Like, I think it's fantastic what Sorry's done. And uh, not try, you know, he's got a military, potentially could replace a green to some extent, but he's looked that he'll need to do something bigger and, and use the collective to get the goals. And Gabby Adini's just not been able to find that touch. Whether it's fit to Southampton depends entirely on how they use him. Um, yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, Dampson massively. But if they're going to sit someone in to so almost playing like a, a, the old school number ten role, just behind one of the centre forwards, then you know, then perhaps that that could be something that could be um, could work well. Um, physically, he's, he's he's in good shape. I mean, you know, there's nothing about him, but he, he is a bit languished in, he, in his uh, in his running style and a bit, you know. Whether he he adapts, because there obviously is a change of pace, and uh, you know in the leagues, whether it's the be all and end all, I don't always take to this. You know, will they be able to adapt to the Premier League? Because I think there's a lot of players that have gone the other way that haven't been able to adapt to City. But there is differences in the leagues and and how he, um, you know, it would be interesting to see how he's used. Um, But you know, I mean, 25 years old, the the worst that can happen, it's not the biggest defeat in today's markets, and uh, you know, it's I wouldn't even say it's a gamble. I think it's a calculated. Um, minor risk that if it doesn't come off they'll definitely get the selling price uh, back to the club in, in Italy
0: Yeah it'd be really exciting to see how they use him I initially thought I wasn't aware of that that he wasn't say an out and out striker as you said and he would be more comfortable in the number 10 role and whether that works at Southampton with the current players that they have there It'll be interesting to see. Just sticking, Richard, with uh, transfers. Now, we gather that the transfer deadline day in Italy isn't quite the circus as it is in the UK with half-cut fans throwing brightly coloured adult inflatable toys at the beleaguered Sky Sports news presenters outside the grounds up and down the country. It's a bit more low-key, but for you, has there been any players that have, or any movement that has really caught your eye?
3: There's been quite a few. Um, I know people say... In, if there, if the reason One reason it is lower key in Italy is because, obviously, the hype of the Premier League and, and you know they're constantly trying to sell the brand of the TV channel as well as the league. And this has become something that, you know, English football, going back into the 90s, for instance, didn't have as much movement uh, because of the money in the game. The Italians have been used to this for decades, so they've seen lots and lots of movements constantly. It's become the norm and got a bit boring. Probably what it would be like in 10 years' time for us um, so that's the reason it's not so, um, you know, you, they don't have, they, they pay attention to it, but not in the same way. And um, so in that sense as well, because they're used to quite a lot of big moves, you know, big moves in those windows, um, it becomes, as I said, becomes a norm. This transfer window looks quiet, but I am interested in a few of them. I mean, it was interesting to Inter eventually that um, Stefan Jovic uh, go to Sevilla. Um, that that was quite an interesting one. Thomas so much on from Genoa to Juventus was, uh, I think, a really, really interesting purchase. I, mean, I want to see how much game time he's going to get at Juve because I think it could be a, um, a big loss for, for Genoa. I thought um, Leonardo Pavoletti as well, moving over from Genoa to Napoli. I mean, Genoa, really, a uh, few hammer blows there. Uh, again, whether he's going to play a great deal, I'm not 100%. But a few others that uh, I thought were interesting as well. Um, especially for Inter with Roberto Guglielini. Uh, I think he's come in and played fantastically well um, since he's come over uh, from Samp. You know, he's gone straight into the squad and he's, he's just been, been remarkable. He's been that player that uh, Inter have needed. He's, you know, he keeps hold of the ball. He looks to play it forward and dictates the pace of the game. Um, I think there's a few that have not particularly caught my eye as such. I think um, Adel Taraba... I'll say it again Adele Batch from yeah, do it's a Genoa delicious name I mean for me he's going to score two spectacular goals and then disappear yeah it, the that's, that's is, uh, his character
0: alright it's probably yeah. fair to say
3: yeah but I think if you ask me he'd probably done the best in the window mm. uh, two of the most impressive uh, chances Fiorentina getting uh, Marcos Porteiro from Fiorentina uh, on loan is a really good um, acquisition because I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper who who I think I'm fairly lost his lost his place, and also um, Saponara going over from Empoli. I think he's such a good signing for them um, of what he can do. I think that's probably some really clever business from Fiorentina. Okay. So I think I'd really be interested to see how he um, how he develops, and obviously really going on to sort of the late ones. There's a few odd ones. Um, I'm interested to see what Trent uh, Sainsbury does. I'm not. I have to confess. I've not watched uh, a great deal of him at um, Jiangsu.
0: I don't think too many be, people um, have. I know, I know a little bit about <laughs> Trent.
3: I do, from Australia. I, I was waiting
0: for that to come in.
3: <laughs> he's all right, Trent. Yeah. I, I mean, it, uh, it'll be fascinating to see. Um, so there's a few, but again, on the last day, there wasn't a, a mass amount that's, uh, that's really gone on to take the eye. But again, you know, I think overall, I think another one, Lucas Campos going from Marseille to Milan on loan, I think he's quite a decent acquisition as well. But again, like we were saying, um, it's not been the, you know, the the big turnover of players. One player um, I must just add on the end of all of that list I'm quite glad to see back is Brian Cristante. He's come over from Benfica and gone to Atalanta because um, Atalanta, uh, I think the youth squad they've got is is fantastic and. You know, keeping hold of players is one thing, but when you can bring someone back in, you know, he's formerly at Palermo. He's only young. He's a fantastic midfielder. I um, mean, bringing him back from Benfica, I think he'll be a a really good acquisition for them. So. Um, yeah I'm excited to see him play as well
0: yeah Atalanta not doing too bad in the table 6th place on 39 points and they're only really 6 points behind 3rd place Napoli uh, so it will be interesting to see very finally Richard before we let you go can you give us a prediction for Juve Inter and where you think Inter might finish this season because I know it's going to be very different to what we said uh, a few months back Mm.
3: yeah I mean for me the game I I think it could go down to a draw um I think it's it's gonna be really difficult, as I said before. I think if I think Pioli will be wise and not try and sit back straight away because I think if you invite eBay pressure it'll be um, they'll make a mistake at some point into so I think you will have to go out and be offensive with this even, you know, in the circumstances after this couple of tally games. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out for a draw. Um and Inter's finish, I mean I, I don't see why. I mean they can't finish in the Champions League. I think that's a realistic prediction. Um, but then again, you asked me after the Derby d'Italia if they do beat Juve and all of a sudden the landscape changes. But I still don't think they've got the legs for the title. So I think um, a third place spot for Inter would, um, would, be, would appease the Sunning group and uh, certainly put Pioli on the map.
0: <laughs> it sure will. Well, Richard Hall, thanks a million for joining us on the show and keeping us up to date with all the happenings in the city. Yeah.
3: Anytime, guys. Thank you.
0: Some great stuff there by Richard Hall. Always appeases the Syria appetite. Garrett, your good old friend Trent, I'm sure, uh, from your Perth Glory days. Did you know him, and how did he end up in Inter? That's a very good question, Dave. I didn't know Trent personally, but
1: uh, yeah, he was uh, on the on the youth books. He's from Perth. He was on the youth uh, youth books with Glory for some reason the club. <laughs> Deemed perhaps that he wasn't uh, wasn't quite
0: up to the mark, which is wow. a subsequent wow. move to let's, Inter let, suggests might have
1: been a <laughs> slight error. So, so let's let's
0: get let's put this into perspective. Trent Sainsbury, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He was on the books at Perth Glory, but wasn't good enough to play in the A League. What well,
1: I think what happened in, in defence of the club, and I should uh defend, I should defend the club at this. He did. He went off to the Australian Institute of Sport. And uh, studied there for a year or so and was then snapped up by the, the Central Coast Mariners rather than Glory. So, yeah, they kind of missed out. Not, maybe not quite so much through their own uh, lack of foresight on that one. But, uh, and yeah. now at Inter... Yeah, didn't see that one coming, actually. He's a regular member of the Socceroos side and uh, yeah, a good defender, uh, accomplished centre-back, Sainsbury. But uh, yeah, I believe it's a loan move, I think, that uh, okay. he was playing over in China for uh, Jiangsu
0: Suning. Well, and he's gone,
1: gone to Inter on loan. it would be very, very interesting indeed to see uh,
0: how much game time he gets there. We wish him the very best luck. I can't imagine there was too many Australian footballers making the trip to play in the, the beautiful league.
1: There've been a few over the years. Vince Grella was one. There have been one or two, none that have particularly perhaps uh, set it alight, but uh, plenty that have played in Serie B and uh, and further down down the divisions. And quite a large Australian contingent in Holland. That's quite a, mm. a popular destination for for Aussie it, players moving overseas. It's
0: pretty cool that they have an open mind in the sense that people from the I'll say the British Isles tend to want to play in English speaking countries, but.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, part of the battle for these lads often is getting themselves an EU passport, because right. obviously, without one, um, you know, y- your options can be limited uh, in terms of signing for European clubs. So that uh, that can restrict players. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they're very adventurous uh, Australian players have got a rich heritage of of being willing to just try their luck overseas and to often take a step into the
0: unknown. And uh, yeah, good luck to Trent. I hope that works well. Yeah, good on you, Trent. Fair play to you. Gabby Andini moving to Southampton, as we mentioned with Richard there. I was reading on Sport Deck this week that he contacted his good old friend, Graziano Pelle, who's playing in China, who's ripping up the Chinese Mm. Super League. Uh, Can't wait to see how he's going to do this season and he asked him and he got advice and he gave Southampton the good thumbs up so it goes to show that you know despite what we're hearing behind the scenes of player unrest at Southampton that there seems to be a good infrastructure there and when you have a good link like someone like Pella to give give the go ahead i'm sure Pella has a lot of other quality italian friends that uh would be interested in making a move there too yeah it could work out well for southampton it does have a
1: reputation as a as a well run club as you said uh, you know whether you Read too much into suggestions that uh, players are unsettled and so on. I do think they'll they'll miss Fonte though, who's gone to yeah, uh, big to loss. West was it West yeah West Ham I yeah. believe he's gone to yeah, yeah I'm I surprised think. at that yeah. even though he's he's getting on age wise uh, every time I see him play for them he's uh, kind of the cornerstone of the defence there so it'd be interesting to see how they adapt to to his loss Tadic is a player I like at Southampton as well.
0: Well, we had cup football, we've got league football back this weekend, Gareth. What's it going to be? What's floating your boat? Right. Well, obviously, we've
1: discussed uh, the big Sam Derby down at the wrong end of the yeah. Premier League. At the right
0: end, we've got Chelsea against Arsenal. Oh, and Chelsea will be reeling from the fact that Diego Costa missed a penalty last week against Liverpool, but they'll be back ready to inflict some pain on Arsene Wenger.
1: Well, exactly. They are nine points clear at the top, even though, as he said, they uh, they were held to that draw against Liverpool at Arsenal
0: losing at home to Watford. I couldn't believe that. Watford or something hadn't won a game in eight in the Premier League, which is remarkable. And they go to the Emirates and win. That could prove extremely
1: costly uh, for Arsenal. Now, you do have to bear in mind Arsenal did win uh, 3-0 at the Emirates back in September. A very, very uh, accomplished performance from them on that occasion. But uh, they haven't actually won at Stamford Bridge since 2011. And in their last three visits, they've conceded 10 and scored none. Wow. So, yeah, recent record. Need some improving. And, and you'd have to look at it and think if they are going to seriously challenge Chelsea for the title, you'd have to think they have to go to the bridge and win, really.
0: But, but will they?
1: It's difficult. Difficult no. to see, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, uh, yeah, doing extremely well at the moment and very much in the box seat there. So we've, as I said, we've covered the games at uh, at the top and the bottom of the Premier League. We'll just touch very briefly on the Africa Cup of Nations. Just the, We're at the semi-final stage. We've got Burkina Faso, uh, against Egypt and Cameroon against Ghana Cameroon the surprise package our boys Cameroon. Our lads Viva Cameroon! We've been on board with the indomitable lions right from the start. They weren't uh, quite being described as indomitable at the start of the tournament. There were another number of other adjectives being used to describe them. But uh, I'd say
0: Jonathan Wilson's having a great time out there in Africa. Yeah, he reckons, from what I've heard, he reckons it's been one of the best tournaments he's been wow. to. So and he's he was very cautious when we were talking to him yeah. on the show on his way over, apart from those visa problems. He is living the Gabon dream. Fantastic! The it's uh, it's Jonathan Wilson's
1: journey. Uh, I do have a. A little bit of um, a soft spot for Ghana though, because they're the nearly men of the Africa yeah. Cup of Nations. I think they've they've reached four or five semi-finals. They haven't won it for uh, for a, for a good stretch. So let's hope they they don't fall at this uh, penultimate hurdle. It'd be nice to see Ghana get to the final, and I imagine Egypt are probably favoured to beat uh, Burkina Faso as but well. They,
0: they 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 knocked out. They've been quite good in World Cups, Ghana, and I know they knocked out the. USA twice in World Cups, as far as I know, because they had a terrible song that is in my car in the CD in my car about. Um, remember, I was telling you about that World Cup CD that we I that did. I that I made. Well, it wasn't World Cup; it's a football, universal football. And it, it, there was this song made for the United States men's national team going to the World Cup in Brazil. And um, Alexi Lawless is at the start. Remember that fiery redhead? Well, he's all okay. clean shaven now. He's looking pretty good in oh, front okay. of yeah, yeah. He's a good-looking guy, but no. Um, in the, I don't think it's him singing though. It's some Western singer going on. And but I just remember Ghana. I learned a little bit from the song because it it reminded me that ghana have actually been a bit of a sting in the u.s tale and and one of the lyrics goes those pesky Ghanaians twice knocked us out made freedom lovers cry scream and shout blimey yeah profound lyrics Dave. profound stuff indeed are we going to spain because i have to say if we are my betting tip is came in leaps and bounds in fact i i said what did i say espanol or draw double chance there that you can get that bet on sport deck i suggested that and what happened came in you were on very firm ground from the first minute because
1: uh, sevilla had uh, nicolas perea sent off and conceded a penalty so not a great start for Sevilla in uh, in that particular game at Espanyol, so yeah, you were you were doing well there. And if I can just jump on the slightly smug bandwagon, I think we also called Derby Leicester as a draw, didn't we? Absolutely, we did indeed. And. It happened. I don't know if anyone got on that as a double, but uh, great double. If you want to send a percentage through to us, care of Sportdeck.
0: Exactly. Well, you can share your bet now. Any bet that you do place on the Sportdeck app, you can actually share it on WhatsApp. You can share it on Facebook or Twitter or, or that um, to your friends. I, I've shared a, a couple of them, and people are like, "No, they're never going to come in." But you'd be surprised. It it does happen, and I think I recall after my quote of that tip last week you said if i re- remember the recording it was um yeah dave's tip not mine <laughs> that's right yeah they, there i was disowning it now i'm immediately trying to claim a <laughs> share of the credit
1: <laughs> shameful well, that's it absolutely that's it. shameful but what have we got this week uh, this week, well, of course, Real Madrid were the big winners in in La Liga last week because Barca were held at Real Betis, and as we mentioned just there, Sevilla uh, were beaten. Real Madrid made short work of Sociedad three 0 so they're on uh, forty six points now. Barca we have, and we have Sevilla just 42. On, on
0: Sociedad. Um, one of our developers here in Deck, Iker, he's a big Sociedad fan. Um, I was talking to him before the match and you know he was hopeful I, i'm pretty sure he's heartbroken we wish him well because he is actually in fact uh, leaving a uh, sport deck this week so i do wish Eker the very best of luck from all of us here Oh, touch him and hopefully uh, Sociedad ad picked things up from where before that uh, Madrid game came along
1: yeah well uh, I don't imagine that was one that they perhaps expected to no. get uh, to get too much from but in terms of fixtures this weekend real visits Celta Vigo with a little bit of revenge on their mind because uh, Celta rather surprisingly, Dumped them out of the Copa del Rey last week. Uh, Sevilla at home against Villarreal, which will be a good game. That's on Sunday. Villarreal is six at the moment. And then it's Barcelona at home to Athletic Bilbao, their seventh uh, Athletic Bilbao. Wow. So those are the good team. Those are the big games in Spain. Obviously, Italy we've already touched on. Big game in Portugal. Dave, we often uh, discuss the Primera Liga here. I love this. It's uh, Porto against Sporting, second against third. S-
0: Sporto. <laughs> <I'm>, sp- <laughs> Porto Sporting Sporto or Yep sp- Yeah if, if you want to combine if, it if Into one to of those Brangelina it. kind of efforts Yeah we <laughs> could uh, We
1: could go with that um, Quickly into France Another big one We were talking All things French football With Jeremy Smith Last week Saturday Monaco against Nice Wow Big game yeah, again, big and uh, two big games in two weeks for Monaco, who drew at PSG last weekend, uh, a late equaliser for them. So, Nice won on the Friday, I think it was, so they are now level on points oh, with Monaco. Oh, Ville
0: France, it's great to have French football back where it belongs. It is indeed
1: fantastic, and uh, Monaco, we mentioned their incredible goal difference, and that could prove absolutely vital, because obviously they are way ahead mm. of uh, Nice on the, on the goal difference. PSG, three points further back, So you've got Monaco against Nice and PSG. They visit Dijon, Dijon. who are 13th. So you'd probably expect... Emery side to, to maybe pick up the three points there. Have we got time for the Bundesliga? Mm, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Hoffenheim beaten for the first time Ooh, this season. We lost, were talking about them last week. Exactly. Lost to Leipzig, but Bayern also won. They beat uh, Werder Bremen 2-1 away. So it's still Bayern top by three points. They take on Schalke this weekend. Leipzig, a tricky one away at Dortmund, Ooh. who are fourth. So uh, <gasps>
0: Everything that's good about football going up against everything do I dare say it (laughs) that's bad about football according to a lot of this this is it yeah it's kind of good against evil
1: Uh, in uh, in that particular game so that, uh, that's your Germany rap that's
0: your Europe rap with just a dash of Africa thrown in. Oh fantastic stuff, wow, what a show great stuff all together, well I'm afraid we're out of time here our thanks to BT Sport panellist Richard Hall and also former Sunderland and Ireland striker Stephen Elliot for joining us, we'll be back at the same time next week, don't forget if you want to download Sportdeck we've got the best live scores, stats, the latest news and betting all in one app simply go to sportdeck.com, you can Find the links there, we're available on the app store, and you can get us for Android as well. From Gareth Morgan and myself Dave O'Grady, have a great week. Take care. Download the Sport Deck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news, and betting. You can find us on the app store or by going to sportdeck.com.